this has to come from a young age where we empower females to believe in themselves and also for women to empower women. I would say improving the education system is a must. It's small things, Gina. So when you read a sentence about a female CEO in a book for the seventh grade or the eighth grade, this by itself empowers a female or a woman to think about the future and what it holds for her. Most of the time, there are small examples, but they start to uh, plant seeds in brains of women that they are great and they can do just as well as their male counterparts. What I saw worked was trying to build that at a young age, and especially through the education system, making sure that we have stories, material on women, mentioning, for example, in history, like powerful women coming from history. So it, it would be great to highlight that. And the great part is that it's women supporting women. So I would say women to women, this relationship is very crucial. And we all need to start looking at it from a perspective of that we are one. We should be helping out each other and making sure that we all succeed. Welcome to the Diving for Pearls podcast. I'm your host, Miss Gina P. Nelson. On this show, we will feature women in the UAE and across the globe who are breaking ground in their industry while at the same time transforming the cultural landscape. The women whom we will feature here on this podcast are in many ways analogous to pearl divers. Women who have taken calculated risks to uncover and harvest pearls of wisdom. Insights that have led them to illuminate their pathway and the pathway of others. These women are thought leaders, innovators, visionaries. Women who embody the spirit of the founding father of the UAE, His Highness Sheikh Zayed bin Sultan Al Nayan. We invite you to listen in Take the plunge, reflect on the poignant stories of courage and resilience while delving deeper into your own journey of self-discovery and exploration. Pearls lie not on the seashore. If thou desires one, thou must dive for it. Anonymous. Hey, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome back to the second half of season one on the Diving for Pearls podcast. We are entering episode number 14. Today we have a distinguished guest who is now sitting with us in the Middle East from Amman, Jordan, named Lean Hajazi. But before we begin and introduce her, we just really want to send our thank you and our gratitude to everyone for the continual support of the podcast. We've reached several milestones this summer alone and most of that has been done through word of mouth and organically. So we really appreciate you taking the time to listen in and spread the word about the wonderful women that we're featuring here on the podcast. So with that being said, we would like to introduce our guest. As I mentioned, she is our first guest for the second half of season one. And I want to say actually thank you to Ruti Chawla. A shout out to Ruti from Dubai for introducing us to Lean Hajazi. Lean is someone who grew up in Amman, Jordan, and she's sitting there today. 
So thank you for taking the time out. She is working currently with Microsoft as a consultant in their cultural diversity transformation department. But additionally, she is a musician and someone who you will see through our conversation is committed to building strong communities of women and is about promoting acceptance amongst cultures. So without further ado, I would like to introduce Lean Hajazi. Welcome, Lean. Thank you, Gina, for having me. And I'm excited to be part of this. And as you said, empowering women is something essential and all women should be part of it. So I'm glad that this episode would be discussing some important points. Thank you. So actually, Lean, before we even start, can you just give our listeners today just some context in terms of where Jordan is and where you're physically located? Sure. So Jordan is a country in the Middle East, neighboring Lebanon, Syria, and it might not be well known around the globe, but it's a very important country, let's say, in the Middle East. It's a melting pot, of course, for uh, different countries here. And I would say Jordan has a nice heritage to see. And I'm currently uh, living in UAE, but spending the summer here in Jordan, back with my family and my friends. And all I can say is I'm really enjoying the nature here, the great weather, and walking down the old streets, looking at the history of it all. So it's definitely a nice country to visit and learn more about. Yes, I haven't gotten there myself, but it's on my travel to-do list. And we know that there, due to Roman rule, we know that there were a lot of runes that were left across the country. And a lot of us are familiar with those. Could you explain to our listeners what was it like growing up as an Arab young lady in Jordan before coming to the UAE? Sure. So I have to be honest. I'm one of, let's say, the privileged born in Jordan, which means, you know, from a young age or my early memories were always good memories or positive memories. But the country has definitely improved, you know, coming from the Middle East in general has progressed a lot throughout the years. And what I want to highlight growing up here is I've seen a lot of improvement. So women are being let's say, more powerful. Education is being, let's say, provided to areas that maybe 20 years ago it wasn't provided. We see a lot of changes happening, positive changes happening. And maybe something that I'm really proud of about Jordan is, you know, Jordan is not a country that has a lot of, say, exports and we don't have a lot of resources. Our main resource, we always say, is, that we always say is the human power that we have. So the education is very important here. And I always remember growing up, my parents, my grandparents always focus on studying and making sure we have degrees and we speak English perfectly. So growing up here, I would say I've learned about how important education is from a young age. And I see like now it's still progressing and getting a lot better. But maybe if I want to talk about also, you know, some struggles or challenges that I faced during that, you know, we live in a country or a region, I would say, where culture is very important. And and that is nice, of course, but sometimes it's tough, especially for women, because you have to be a certain way or let's say act a certain way in order to be accepted. And I'm happy that along the years, this has improved, meaning that women are breaking free from this 
image that they need to, you know, maintain. So I'm 28 now, and I definitely would say that as a child, I saw it differently. I knew my family was maybe more open-minded, more encouraging. But now, fast forward 20 years after that, I see that people are breaking from those uh, limits. Let's say they are trying to test the waters outside the norm. And uh, people are trying to reach their potential following their passion, which I'm very happy to see, especially with women. I do want to touch on two things that you mentioned in terms of changes that you've seen. I know that education has been, I would say, on the platform of many of your leaders and Queen Rania and Specifically, I know she's known for advocacy work in terms of education, health, youth, and female empowerment. And she's actually one of my role models, in addition to being a role model to many women across the globe, that she's invested a lot of time in educating young minds and helping them achieve some social and economic development. So you spoke about your grandparents focusing on studying and education and that you kind of sat somewhere being privileged in terms of the changes that you've seen in Jordan. What would you say have been some of the struggles for those who may have been less privileged than you? Well, it's a very good question. And I'm talking about, you know, from a perspective of someone who lived here and, and saw those changes. I would say those struggles would be around education. It would be around for example, learning, you know, different cultures, being able to travel outside. Also, another important point, which Jordan has come a long way since, you know, 20 years back, is the limit for marriage and making sure that young girls continue their education and do not get into marriages before they can decide for themselves. I like that. What is the current age? Could you share that with our listeners? I do not currently have an exact number, but I know for a fact that there were rules to enhance that. And also other things that are coming, let's say, a long way from where it was before is, you know, like penalties for harassment, making sure women's safety comes first. I wish I had prepared better to give you like exact numbers, but it can definitely be found uh, in, in official websites. Thank you, Lean. Which actually brings me to a point, and I want to actually go to a quote by the late Sheikh Zayed bin Sultan Al Nayan, the former ruler of the UAE, because he was an advocate for women, a huge supporter. And one of the things he says, and I want you to comment and talk about how this resonates with you. He says, the woman is half of our society. Any country which pursues development should not leave her in poverty or illiteracy. So just share with our listeners how that resonates with you and how it resonates with your current work, both at Microsoft and as a singer-songwriter. I definitely agree. And, and that was a very powerful statement coming from the side. I believe that women are enablers of the community. And if we do not involve women in decision-making and making sure that, you know, we have equal opportunities, you know, like women taking part in business, in any area or industry. It's very important because at the end of the day, women, they have skills or let's say they have things to offer that would definitely enhance the experience and would enhance everything related to the workplace. You know, commenting also on the same topic from my business or from my work. So with Microsoft, when I do customer visits and when I work with companies, especially in the UAE, I'm astonished because I see so many women in positions that are 
powerful. They are decision making. They are they are leading teams, which is fascinating because you know you sometimes we we make some stereotypes and we think things would be different, but when we actually compare them with Western countries, we see that the countries in the Middle East are actually doing very well. And I would say UAE is definitely one of those countries. Most of the companies I work with, I've worked with multiple companies in the UAE. I always see a presence of powerful women. And the great thing about involving those women is not just the part that they're there, they're also empowered and they're not afraid to speak up. They take decisions. I see a lot of, you know, work done in that area. And that is happening through the education. It definitely shows. And also, you know, if we want to talk about the Middle East in general and that area in general, there are many interesting statistics you can find about Jordan and also other countries. But I was reading the other day something and I was so happy to read that. It was from the International Labor Organization. It was data gathering done in 2019. And Jordan, for an example, is the number one country where a woman is most likely your boss. And I was very fascinated by this because, you know, we always compare ourselves and we think, according to the West, how would that look like? Maybe they have a better percentage. But then I was looking at the USA and it was only around 40%. So when you see Jordan is doing well and other Arab countries, they, they have like higher statistics. It shows you that we've come a long way and that women are now, you know, walking and leading with men. Now, I'm glad that you pointed out the statistics because I've looked at them as well prior to us sitting together. And you're right, in the Middle East uh, and then specifically in the UAE, the statistics are more favorable than across the globe. I know the leaders here in the UAE have made certain rules in terms of female presence in boardrooms. So Currently, I know that women make up 66% in the public sectors and 30% of them are already in leadership roles and those numbers are increasing. So how do you believe in addition to Jordan and we see the UAE where things are shifting, how do you believe more nations could kind of follow suit ensuring there's greater gender parity in these leadership roles? What are some of your suggestions? Because I know you specifically work in culture and transformation. That's a very good question. So I think this has to come from a young age where we empower females to believe in themselves and also for women to empower women. So it all starts at a young age. So I would say, you know, improving the education system is a must for that. It's small things, Gina. So when you read a sentence about a female CEO in a book for the seventh grade or the eighth grade, this by itself empowers a female or a woman to think about the future and what it holds for her. It gives this vision. And, you know, having such examples, and they're sometimes, actually, most of the time, they are small examples, but they start to uh, plant seeds in, let's say, the brains of women that they are great and they can do just as well as their male counterparts. So my suggestion, or let's say what I saw worked, was trying to build that at a young age and especially through the education system, making sure that we have stories, we have, you know, like material on women, uh, mentioning, for example, in history, like powerful women coming from history. I know there were many of them, especially in the Middle East. So it, it would be great to highlight that because that is the only way 
that people would actually change, you know, because I do work with adoption and change management at the end of the day. And I know that it all starts with the awareness. Everything starts with awareness. And, and the best place to bring awareness is at a young age, in schools, within the family itself. So yeah, definitely that would make a huge difference. I like what you're saying, starting with the awareness, because we, we know as leaders, you have to be aware and bringing awareness about the need for more women in these positions. And I like what you said about just having more stories about women and sharing those and making sure young women and young girls know about these stories and stories are being told about these women in powerful positions, because I think that's important and leaving steps for other women to follow. What is the project you may be currently working on that is trying to pave a way for women in your particular department or at Microsoft in general? Yes, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. Actually, in Microsoft, we have a very big department called Diversity and Inclusion, where we make sure that uh, no one feels left out, everyone is empowered. And, you know, it's all boys into empowering women at the end of the day, because we're looking more at culture, we're looking at uh, female empowerment, so many things. And as you, as I said previously, the story, it's all about mentioning the stories and making sure that women are comfortable as well. So part of that program, we'd have, for example, discussions, you know, like round the table discussions of challenges, how to deal with them. And the great part is that it's women supporting women. And we, we do have those round talks like, tell me about your day. What was tough? Maybe it's hard because you're now working from home and you have a kid and then you have to prepare for sessions in Microsoft. So women are definitely juggling now with this working from home scenario. So having that diversity and inclusion team and department definitely helps because women feel more comfortable. They are comfortable in their own skin. You can definitely see that. We open a call. We are on a video. You see their kids coming into the call. They're not ashamed of it. They are not hiding like go and, and close the door behind you. No, they're, they're actually telling them, come here, sit on my lap. And then they continue the meeting. And I, I find that amazing because this is part of, of, you know, nature. This is natural. And working from home maybe made that even more possible that women, they are embracing that. And their male counterparts are also embracing that because now it's normalized. You know, you see your colleague with her kid, you hear maybe screaming in the background. No one is judging you. It's, it's This is normal and we all accept it. So I definitely love this uh, department where we work on such initiatives to make sure that women feel comfortable and empowered. Thank you. Kudos to Microsoft team for your diversion and inclusion team. And I want to touch on that point about women supporting women because the research is clear. And then I want to also reference a quote by Queen Rania of Jordan. So the research shows that women who support other women are most likely to succeed. That's one. And then if a woman had a circle of one to three friends, she was most likely 2.5 times higher in authority in terms of her position at work. And not only her authority and her job, advancing in her job than someone who did not have a circle of one to three friends. And I want to reference Queen Wanya's quote because she says, when a woman succeeds, she reaches out to those around her and pulls them up with her. That is why if you empower a woman, you empower a whole society. So I want to go back to your work at Microsoft with the diversity inclusion team. And how do you see that fitting into empowering a whole society? So I see that, you know, what you said is completely true. And that's what we try to embrace. You know, women, 
when they succeed, they should be able to pull other women with them, support them, help them. And that's what we are trying to do. And that's what we're aiming. And it's not just also from a woman perspective. We're doing that in general, which reflects, of course, on empowering women. So uh, we have a culture of supporting each other in general, sharing best practices. And, you know, something I find amazing in Microsoft is part of your performance is actually measured on helping others. If you just do the work on your own and you're doing well on your own, then you're not really doing well. It's very important in Microsoft. And I find that it's amazing that it's part of our KPIs or our uh, asks is that you have to help others and there should be proof of that or let's say examples of that. So you would find people always helping out each other and making sure that we lift each other. So our team is, is successful together. So if we take that and actually translate it into real world, like for example, in schools or in uh, in the household, like make sure that you highlight the importance of helping others out. You know, women, sometimes they don't pay attention, but women can be the worst, let's say, impact for other women. When you hear a negative comment from a woman, it might actually affect you more than it coming from your male counterpart, because you always think he's different. He's not going to understand. But when it comes from a woman that is similar to you and relates to you, it might impact you even more. So I always say you should be very careful about what you say and and how you support, because you never know, you might be actually either giving someone hope and helping them and making sure you're empowering them. And on the other hand, you might be breaking them and making it harder on them. So I would say women to women, this relationship is, is very crucial. And we all need to start looking at it from a perspective of that we are one, we, we should be helping out each other and making sure that we all succeed. So I like that. And even when I think about like stories that my grandmother and my mom talked about in the past, they, you know, they would gather around together, care for the kids, discuss their day and have these one-on-one, like almost support conversations with each other. And I'm glad that we see some organizations such as Microsoft, such as your team, trying to nurture a community of strong women. So that is important. So thank you for sharing that. So, Lean, I want to start talking about your music. And I know that you are a singer-songwriter. You spent some time playing the piano as a young child. Your single, Nazit, received critical acclaim. And it was your first release only just two months ago. And I know it's currently on one of the platforms that's similar to Spotify. And you've received over 18,000 downloads. So I want to go first to your music background, your musical roots. First, to share a little bit with our listeners, what are your musical roots? Were you playing all sorts of instruments when you were younger? And what were some of your influences? That's um, a good question, actually. It, it It all started when I was young. So I would say I was first introduced to music from a very young age. We always had instruments lying around the house. My mom had a piano. My dad had a guitar. But I always felt like, you know, it was a must for me because I was taking classical piano lessons, which some people love. I totally understand. But for me, it just felt like extra homework. You know, I'm trying to have fun, but then this sounds like extra homework. So I decided to quit at like maybe 11 or 12. And I did not touch a piano for maybe four years. 
But then I was looking at my sister, my older sister. She got a guitar. She started playing. And I found it very nice because it's very relatable. You know, you can uh, sing covers and do some songs that you like on the guitar. It's much easier than the piano. And I started training on my own. And then I ended up actually liking it. And I started playing again. The music hit me uh, again, but from a different perspective. This time it was what I liked what I wanted to hear and what I wanted to play. And then after that, you know, I started playing and trying to uh, train my singing voice. I always imagined like and dreamed of uh, being a singer or an artist, but it never felt too real because I'm going to be very honest with you. I'm proud of Jordan and the progress that it has made. As I've mentioned previously, there's a huge difference. But I would say we're still on the way. We aren't there yet from a perspective of acceptance and, you know, feeling comfortable in your own skin. Because, you know, being a musician never had a good feedback, especially from your parents or from an older generation. So I wasn't able to study it because, you know, my parents would say, this is not for you. You should study engineering or something else and you can do it on the side. And I found that plan to be reasonable at that time. And that's why I got into industrial engineering, but then I did music on the side. And I would say the turning point was my 24th birthday or 25th birthday, where my friend gifted me a voucher for recording at a studio. And remember when we were talking about women empowerment? This is where I really felt it. Those were my best friends, my girls, getting me this gift to go and make sure the whole world sees what I'm doing. And I found that to be so empowering. And I would say that was the point where I started believing that I can do it. So from that point, I started doing more covers and then trying to do them in Arabic. So I've done this one song for Edith Piaf, which is La Vie en Rose. I've done it in Arabic, and that was like uh, my first experiment to do something beyond the norm. And it also got nice feedback, you know, for a first song. And then during COVID-19, I started writing. And I would tell you, it's a different world. When you are doing covers, and then when you are writing your own songs, it's completely different. When you're writing your own songs, you have to be more vulnerable. You have to be able to express what you're feeling, even if it's not something you're feeling, but you have to relate to the feeling you're writing about. So during COVID-19, I felt like I was able to do that because, you know, we were sitting a lot on our own. I guess everyone tried something at home, whether it's drawing, music, a talent they've put aside or parked aside. And then it kind of worked. This is where I wrote In Seat, which is the first single. And I started to look into the process, going to a producer and then doing the music video. So it took me about nine months to figure out everything and then release the song. Wow. I've watched your video many times and I actually want to go to some of the lyrics specifically. So for those of you who have not listened to Lean's music, In Seats is her first single released two months ago. And it means I forgot. And I'm just going to highlight some of the lyrics because, as you mentioned, you said it took you a while to write because you were doing covers previously, but then you were trying to figure out how to relate to the actual feeling of the music. And as I listened to this several times, I said, 
This must be based on something personal in your relationship, but you can discuss that if you want to. So some of the words you say, the day I walked away, my life turned rosy. You were extra baggage. I forgot myself by your side until I walked away and found peace again. And it reminds me of some of my relationships personally. And I think it's very relatable. And I think that's why for me, it was so catchy and I was able to relate to it a lot. So can you actually share with our listeners your inspiration for the song? I'm glad you uh, looked at the lyrics. I spent a good time trying to translate it to English, you know, to make sure I capture the whole meaning. So the inspiration behind this song was actually not about something I was directly going through. It was more of a, a couple of things happening at the same time. So I definitely had, let's say, a sort of a breakup or or leaving someone in a relationship, but it wasn't completely about them. It was more about trying to see how far can someone go with explaining how relieved, like the relief they feel after leaving someone. Because, you know, let's face it, you know, we always go out with our girlfriends. We're talking someone left previous relationship or someone's complaining about a specific guy about something. And I feel that women always endure more than they should, if, if that makes sense. And I was thinking, like, maybe I should write about that. Women do endure more. And then when they leave, they're like so sure because they gave every chance they can and then it didn't work out. So I always see this transformation happening when women exit a relationship. They start to take more care of themselves. You see, they are, you know, doing self-love. They are doing yoga or going back to the gym. You see, like they kind of broke free from something. And I just wanted to capture that in a song to make sure that, you know, whenever someone has broken up and they listen to the song, it actually empowers them to move on and look ahead. I think you captured it so well. Many of us, in fact, some of my friends have called me this week complaining about relationships. I say complaining, but a lot of the words in your song speak to that about forgetting who you are. And now realizing, okay, maybe I should take care of myself better and love myself. Not that we don't, but sometimes we do forget ourselves when we're with someone else. So I think you captured accurately a lot of the feelings that we've had in relationships. So thank you for that. And the success of just actually releasing it two months and having 18,000 downloads. I know on YouTube alone, you had over 7,000 views in one month. So Could you share with us why you think it's touched so many people in so many ways? So I think the more genuine the words are, the more they're going to touch people. And to be honest with you, the most amazing feedback I've got, I've captured them because I really think they were amazing. Were from women going through this themselves. I've never met them, I've never talked, but they've reached out on social media just telling me, thank you for this. I listen to this every day. This is inspiring me, giving me motivation to get up, making me forget about my ex and so on. It's so nice to to see that, you know, it just makes you more excited to do more and share more and make things that are relevant to people around you. I agree 100% because I know you started off doing covers. I also listened to some of your covers and La Vie en Rose specifically, which is by Edith Piloff and many singers have actually redone that cover. So what are you looking forward to now with your music? So I'm actually working on something now, which is a new song. It's called Stennashway, which means wait a little bit. And this song is going to be about 
a state that I think also all people relate to, which is the point that, you know, before you have an official thing going on or even like you even express any interest in the other person, but you feel like there's something, but you don't understand, like, is it just me or is it them? So uh, it's going to be an interesting one because this is actually based on true story from a friend of mine. I, I just literally just captured the relationship she's going through or whatever she's going through and put it in a song. So I'm excited for that. And I'm also working on other songs, but this one is going to be released very soon. So it's wait a little bit. We'll be, definitely be listening to that. And we'll also have you talk about your social media platforms and where people could find you. I like the direction that you're going. I, I love your covers as well, because that's what I listened to first. So they were beautifully done. And I like that you're actually dabbling into doing your own music and writing things that I think all of us can relate to. Is there any advice you would give to anyone who's starting off on their music journey? Oh, I, I have tons of advice. Honestly, I wish I had known that 10 years ago, I would have definitely started earlier. So the number one advice is it's never going to be perfect. You're never going to be fully ready. You have to jump and learn how to swim while you're swimming. Because if you keep on waiting till you perfect something or you are completely sure of something, you're going to turn gray before you do anything. And honestly, for me, that push, as I told you, was through my friends, which brings me to another point. If you have a friend who wants to share their art with the world but is afraid, you can be the reason why they actually start sharing it with the world and taking a step. So try to push people around you and try to motivate them. If there's like a nice gift idea you could get them or a nice card or a quote, anything you can share with them to empower them, do that because you might be the reason why they are actually stepping in. And maybe my last advice around going there and trying on your own is ask and make sure you contact people. It all sounds overwhelming when you're doing it on your own. If you ask people who've done it before or who know someone that have done it before, do that. I believe in something and I believed in this since 10 years and I think I will keep on believing it, which is your network is your network. And that is very true because, you know, who you know and who you deal with, they are there to help you as you are there to help them. We are humans. We are more of a society kind of creatures. We, we work well together. We don't work well on our own. So don't be shy. Ask. And I know for a fact that at least one or two people are going to support you and give you the boost that you need. I like that. You've spoken prior to us meeting today about the UAE being a place that really supports creativity and innovation. How would you say the community has contributed to your success, both professionally and as a musician? And what would you advocate for women in terms of, and men who are pursuing a career either in music and or in their career path? What would you say would be helpful for them if they're living currently here in the UAE? So I've said this four multiple times and I'll say it again. I think UAE is, is a land of opportunity, honestly. Like if we look at the world right now, UAE is a perfect place for anything because, you know, you have people from all over the world. It's fresh. New initiatives are coming out every day. 
So in this place in specific will definitely help you boost up whatever you're doing. I see a lot of people who are artists, they are showcasing their art in Sirkal or in somewhere, you know, in, in, in Dubai. Like there are so many showrooms for that. I see musicians who are, uh, let's say, starting to share the music. Radio stations are putting them up. And I think that was the, one of the nicest things that happened to me while I was there. I have only been there for like maybe a month or a month and a half. And then I contact radio station just just out of luck, you know, and say, I have a song. Would you like to use that? And I got the warmest response ever. It was from uh, Pulse 95 Radio, which is in Sharjah. And the host name is Big Half. And he was so warm and so welcoming. And he loved the song. And he said, I'm going to boost it and I'm going to share it. I love that. Keep doing what you're doing. So, you know, that kind of interaction showed me that UAE in general is a place where whatever you try to do, it will pick up faster than any other place because of the capabilities, the type of people you have there. And also, let's be honest, the financial capability plays a huge role. So you have access to a lot of things in one place. Thank you, Lean. I appreciate that. Is there any resource that you would like to direct someone to that you think could be helpful? If they're going down the path of a musician, being a musician, any specific. I know you said reaching out to the radio station you found that was very helpful. Any other resources, any book that you're reading that you think could be helpful? So something that I would suggest or let's say endorse is reading books related to marketing. I think that is something that every musician has issues with because, you know, you're doing your passion, but you you forget that at the end of the day, you're trying to also sell that. You're trying to capture more people. There are a couple of books that I would totally suggest for that. There's one book. Just let me get the name really quick. Okay. Yeah. The, the book's name is Building a Story Brand, and it tells you how you know, in the movie world and in the, let's say, movie industry, they try to capture the attention and make sure that there's like a story behind everything. And then they also tell you like, there are, you only have seven seconds to make an impression. So it kind of guides you through that. I really loved it. And it helped me a lot in kind of building my message or kind of building the, the identity that I want as a musician. So I would totally advise anyone starting to start looking at themselves in a way like they want to identify who they are, what they want to show to the world. Because at the end of the day, you are selling music and you also want to make sure you are you have the right audience. And that sounds like a, that may be a helpful book in terms of even clarifying your mission and vision as you're building your brand and building your message. So thank you for sharing that. You said building a story brand. And who's the author again? So it's by Donald Miller. And yes, you're absolutely correct. This book is for anyone that wants to build a story brand for themselves. They just use examples, you know, from the movie industry and other things, not just the movie industry. Like they tell you about all of the successful companies also. And if you're an entrepreneur and you want to start kind of branding yourself, this is an amazing book. One of my absolute favorites. Thank you. We'll be sure to include those on the show notes. Thank you for sharing that. And I want to ask you, Lean, where do you go for inspiration? Because I know you've only been in the UAE three months and you said you've had so many highlights. So first share with our listeners a couple of things. When it could be when you're not feeling 100%, it could be when you're trying to start something new. Also for, like I said, your music and your profession, as well as what's been one of your highlights since living here. For me, to be honest, 
there are a couple of places that I love to go. For example, I mentioned Sirkal before and the area around Sirkal. Whenever I feel like I need inspiration or I need the change of mood, I would definitely go there because it's the artsy side of Dubai. You see a lot of artists, a lot of showrooms. There's also like guitar place in that area. And sometimes I just go there and I play some music, meet some people, get some inspiration. So within the UAE or say in Dubai, I would say that area, Sarkal, is is one of my absolute favorites for inspiration. Not familiar with that area, but we'll write it down in the show notes. I assume that's where all the the creatives hang out. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of, yeah. (laughs) So what has been one of your highlights, most memorable moments of living in the UAE since being here? Interesting question. I think the highlight of Dubai is the people. As I've mentioned previously, like it's a land of opportunity and you meet people from different parts of the world and you could be in one room and literally have maybe people from 10 to 12 countries sitting in the same place. So it's amazing to have this accessibility, I would say. And and I was fascinated by this because, for example, in Jordan, you do have variety, but only for Arab countries. So you see Lebanese, you see Jordanians, Syrians, Iraqis, Palestinians. But when you go to Dubai, it's like you see people from everywhere. You have people coming from China, from the USA, from Turkey. It's it's a it's a metropolitan city that gives you a vibe that everything is possible. You have everyone around you. And I think, you know, this kind of also removes the barriers between the different cultures and the different stereotypes that we have about each other. To be honest, I find that when you're in Dubai, you cannot have any stereotypes anymore because you literally are seeing everyone around you and it kind of humanizes us and makes us more accepting. I think that's important what you mentioned about accepting other cultures. And it's true. You see, there's great diversity in Dubai. I live in Abu Dhabi, but I definitely agree. There are all cultures around. And a lot of those typical stereotypes are broken down as you interact with individuals from different cultures. And it is truly a melting pot. First, I want to ask you, so on social media, where can they find you? If you could share that with our listeners. And then we have a few more questions for you. Of course. So if you want to find my social media, I go by the name Listen to Lean. So um, this is my official Instagram page. And I do also have a TikTok account, which is mostly for fun. But yeah, for our younger audience, <laughs> that might be interesting. Thank you. So we'll repeat that and we'll put it in the show notes. So Listen to Lean on Instagram and your TikTok account. Yes, we have many individuals who have TikTok. Not myself, but <laughs> we have many listeners who will be interested in connecting with you there. So one of the questions that we always ask all our guests before we part is, what is the impact you wish to have on women in the UAE and across the globe? I absolutely want to empower women through uh, leading by example. And I think that is the best way to learn any type of empowerment. For me, like I grew up looking at specific women in the region and finding that they are powerful and how amazing they're doing their jobs or their art. They are not necessarily celebrities. They can be your mother's friend or your uh, teacher or someone, you know, that is known to you, but not necessarily known to the world. And I found that the best way to feel empowered is to be led by example, like seeing women around you that are doing great 
that would give you a boost to to relate and have a vision for yourself as well. And that's why I always try to emphasize whenever I go to less privileged villages in Jordan or meet with less privileged people, I always try to show them that you can do it. You can definitely do it. Don't limit yourself. I try, for example, to show websites that might be helpful or books, as we've mentioned previously. So my goal is to empower women through showing them the art of the possible. That's well said. I meant to ask you, since this is obviously a show about women and the stories of women that are being used to empower and inspire other women, are there any women in your background, it could be past, present, that have been instrumental, have been supportive of you along your journey that you would like to mention today? Actually, yes. I have in like one woman in specific that have influenced a lot of my work in Microsoft. And I would definitely like to give her a shout out. So her name is Raisa Gabriels. And basically Raisa is on my team in Microsoft. And she always showed me that you can do whatever you want and you can achieve the business goals that you want. She lead by example again. And last year, she started her own business in South Africa, which is called Level Finance. And she's doing great uh, managing both uh, Microsoft and uh, Levin. So I would definitely like to thank her for giving me an inspiration to believe in myself and go for what I want to do. Thank you. We'll also include her in the show notes. Raisa, I didn't get her last name. Raisa Gabriels. Okay, so we'll include her. So thank you, Raisa, for inspiring and empowering other women. I know it's beyond you, so thank you. So can you share where do you see yourself in the next three to five years? What are you striving for now? So I'm striving for multiple things. But first of all, I always strive for my self-care and mental health and uh, self-love in general. So I've learned that along the way, you might be doing a lot of things You might be tackling some new businesses, some new arts. But the most important part is do not forget about yourself, love yourself and uh, take breaks whenever needed. So for me, if I look at, you know, the years from now, I want to be doing uh, music as I'm doing it now. But again, making sure that I'm in the right uh, headspace, I'm comfortable, I'm healthy. I guess what I wanted to say is balance. Maybe that's the word that fits the scenario perfectly. Thank you. And you've actually hit upon something that I know we talked about prior to starting the recording is the self-care and taking care of your mental health. And actually, I do want to ask you, do you have any routines that you would like to share with our listeners today? Any self-care routines that you regularly do? I actually have a couple of things that I've learned during quarantine. As I mentioned, I think during quarantine, everyone took a journey on their own, found something that made them more comfortable. For me, that was meditation and breathing exercises. So I start my morning every day with, you know, maybe 10 minutes. It doesn't even have to be longer of meditation or breathing exercises and some affirmations around, you know, loving myself and making sure that I'm I believe in myself and proud of myself. It's always good to remind ourselves we kind of get caught in the loop and forget to, uh, you know, enable ourselves. So I guess those affirmations bring us back to a balanced state. Well, that's wonderful. Sometimes I forget I do rush out in the morning and I forget to do the breathing and the affirmations, but I make sure I do them before the, the evening. 
So thank you for sharing those. Is there anything, Lean, before we wrap up and say thank you to you? Anything you wish we had talked about that you want to talk about? And any question that you would like the opportunity to answer more often? So I guess we've touched on all of the things, you know, related to music and Microsoft and all of that. But I actually have one question for you. You know, as a host and as a presenter having such an amazing show, what is the vision or the future uh, for Diving for Pearls? I'm glad that you asked that because when you talked about building a story brand, we are now trying to solidify our mission and vision. So initially, we only were working on the podcast, but now we're working on a larger platform where we're looking to connect women with other women. So we're looking at creating a support network. So regardless of your industry, whether it's music, whether it's art, whether it's finance, we're trying to really build a community of women. So that's what we're working on. And we hope to share that with all of our listeners. So that's what we're shooting for, really to build a strong community of women where individuals can connect and support each other. And this is across the globe. So we're starting here, Middle East, UAE, and now we'll be looking in season two, Africa, and then the Caribbean after that. So thank you for asking. I love that. And I cannot wait to be part of that network as well to help as much as I can. Yes, we will be reaching out to you for your ideas as well, because we, we're going to have a couple meetings with past guests, just getting their ideas on how we could actually build and make this community even more powerful than we envisioned it. Because I think it could be something, as we mentioned in the podcast, it's so strong when women are supporting other women. And there's so much work to be done there. And I definitely think this could be one of the platforms in which we could do it. So any last parting pearls of wisdom you would like to share with the audience, Lean, before we wrap up? I would like to mention just one thing. But first of all, thank you for, for this show. It's an amazing show. And I'm really looking forward to see what it can grow into and how it would turn. And Secondly, if I would want to leave with one, word, uh, let's say, sentence of wisdom is just to focus on the process and imagine that, you know, the process is the prize itself instead of the end location or the end destination. And that by itself will empower you to continue every day. It will give you the motivation. Don't ever look at the end point always and focus on it. It will tire you. Just focus on the process. No, thank you. That's a brilliant reminder. Because Sometimes I think a lot of us, we look at the end result and we forget to focus on the journey or the process. So thank you for that reminder. So Lean, I want to say thank you. First, I want to say thank you to Ruchi for introducing us. I think you're a brilliant musician. I love your music. I love your sound. And more importantly, I really loved our conversation today. I mean, you shared a lot of gems with our listeners shared a lot of reasons why we're worthy of our dreams and goals and desires. And more importantly, I love all that you're doing to inspire and uplift and support other women. So thank you for taking the time today to sit with us. And we are looking forward to working with you in the upcoming months. Thank you. Thank you, Gina. And I'm looking forward to it as well. Thank you, Lean. Have a good night. We'll be in touch soon. Thank you. You like a to fly. Music on this podcast is provided by Alexander Kirschdisch. The composition is titled Beautiful Spheres.
which was released on April 3rd, 2019. Alexander Kirstisch can be found on Facebook at Alexander Kirstisch and on Instagram at Alexander Kirstisch underscore official.